Welcome to Lost or Found with Dr. Michelle Choi, the podcast where we think about what can be possible in our lives. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Lost or Found. Karen Smediger is here on the show to talk about her near-death experience. Karen Smediger is an educator, friend, and a woman who is dedicated to her family. She has participated, led, and hosted numerous mission trips in response to her passions of connecting with diverse cultures and deepening her faith. And today on the show, she is here to talk about her near-death experience. At the end of an amazing mission trip to Brazil, a truck at full speed struck their car while they were stopped alongside the freeway. I find her story so fascinating because having seen pictures of what her car had looked like after it was hit by a truck, I'm not sure how she's even alive or how they all survived. You see this black mess of a car and it's horrifying to know that it had once been a car. While the whole car was impacted, most of the impact from the truck was at the side that she had been sitting, the left back, and you see the metal collapsed in, with the car almost folded in the middle. I still cringe when I see the photos of her accident, because survival seems so unlikely. But although Karen had sustained some pelvic fractures and her left leg had been severely dislocated, she came out of that accident without even a skin abrasion. There was no blood on her. Considering the car had been crushed, it's crazy to me to think that there wasn't even a skin tear and that she had survived. Sometimes in the medical field, When we don't understand why things happen and we don't have an obvious answer for it, we push it aside or ignore that aspect. Life is confusing. But the truth remains, Karen survived a tragic accident and she came out of it unscathed. But don't we do that in our own lives as well? We try so hard to understand things And sometimes when a thing that doesn't make sense happens, we don't think about the fact that the thing that doesn't make sense happened. Maybe it's woo-woo. Maybe it's a miracle. But the truth remains, things that we don't fully understand in life happens. I don't know how she is alive. I'm glad she's alive. I've never met anyone who has survived an accident like that and not have more injuries if they're alive. For some people, pelvic fractures don't require surgery, but pelvic fractures broken in seven places sounds pretty bad, and that would typically require surgery. How did her severely dislocated leg heal on its own? and not need surgery to be repositioned. And my questions that I still have is why were her injuries not much worse? And how did she not have a drop of blood on her at the time of the accident? This is the type of scenario where the obvious can't explain it. And I can't help but wonder if there is a poignant non-obvious that exists.
On the show, I've had people from different religions talk about aspects of their religions so that we can all understand the universality of spirituality to deepen our hearts and minds. You don't need religion to be spiritual. Karen is a pastor's wife, and at the time of the accident, she had been in Brazil as a missionary. Even though they were in another country, her accident brought many people together to help them and pray for them. Many times in our own world, when something bad happens, we don't ask for help enough. Or we have this difficult notion that we can just get through it by ourselves. Random strangers were helping Karen and her family because they were touched by their story. That sounds so much better than going through it alone. I really believe that there is a power to humanity, and we don't always have to agree, but we can come together for a purpose. And Karen also brings up the power of prayer. I've mentioned on the podcast, that I pray all the time. They're not always real prayers. Sometimes it's crap prayers from my mind, not always from my heart. And I've mentioned it makes me feel better just saying it, even in my head. I'm stating what I need or what I hope for someone else. The truth is one can pray whether or not you have a religion. We've all heard stories of people who come together in prayer and the power of prayer as a community. I find it really powerful. Praying together, even if the person next to you is an asshole or not, you believe in the same religion or not. Whether you agree or not doesn't matter because in that moment in time, we're all getting together for the same purpose. It's thought that praying together opens our heart to the needs of the people around us and brings up the idea that sometimes we can be the answer to someone's prayer, the power of all of us. Welcome to Lost or Found, Karen. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you, Michelle. It's a blessing to be here. And before we begin and we talk about your experience, can you tell us about yourself? I'm a pretty simple person. I am a wife, I'm married over 25 years. Um, I have We have two kids in college now. One is adoptive and one is got one homemade and one takeout. <laughs> I love teaching any subject, and it is my career choice, but also my passion. And I'm very involved with our small church. Uh, my husband is a pastor, and I'm blessed to have so many friends um, in my community and through activities. I love sports, um, all sports, and it's just a joy to be here and to share with our audience today. And Karen, can you describe your incredible experience? Yes. Well, two and a half years ago, um, another family from our church and my family of four and their family of four, we headed to uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. 
Uh, we have been going to Sao Paulo for 20 years. So this is a reoccurring uh, connection, friendship we have uh, with Shokave is a camp um, in Sao Paulo. And we have some churches that we connect with in Alphaville. And we did some outreach ministries in the favelas. Um, there is a great need and a, we love the cult culture of Brazil. So we were down there for a two-week mission trip. Um, after 10 days of a terrific mission trip and my 25th wedding anniversary in Brazil, we were headed out of the city and into um, Ubatuba is a beach city uh, down on the coast of Brazil. We had missed the exit uh, to turn down to the coast. And in Brazil, they don't have the over ramps. So we pulled off to the side of the road to try to figure out another way to navigate down to the beach towns. Um, at the time of the car accident, I was actually on my phone. My daughter's feet were in my lap. She was next to me. My husband was in the passenger seat and our driver um, is a the camp director, and he is Brazilian. He was trying to find another way. Um, I We were not pulled over enough on the side of the road, and he was still trying to uh, figure out navigation. Um, I don't remember the accident. My daughter next to me said, Mom, there's a truck. And that was the last thing I remember, um, a box truck, not a semi, but a very large truck going on the freeway full full acceleration um, crashed into the back of our Honda Accord. Um, and you were sitting in the left back at the time, right? Yes. I took the full impact. Um, the truck uh, hit behind us. The car was pushed over to the side. Everything in the back of the trunk, um, my daughter's suitcase and all of our stuff was discarded. Uh, Crushed. Crushed. That's a perfect word. The whole car was crushed. I was uh, pushed over. My husband was able to get out of the right seat and was able to get my daughter out of the right side. Um, but they couldn't locate me. I was mm -hmm. bent over um, under the rubble. And the, the front, the driver also had some head injuries. So he bumped his head and shoulder. But uh, my husband even said he had to try to do some CPR that I wasn't breathing mm -hmm. um, at the time. And my daughter just says that whole, she says the suitcase was destroyed. I said, well, get you a new one. And she says, well, actually, that was my brother's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw the pictures of the, the, the car. I mean, your, the Honda was absolutely crushed by the moving truck. When people see the pictures, um, mm -hmm. because the nether car came behind us and uh, they took some pictures to share with mm -hmm. uh, the families and to document. And uh, Ryan is a firefighter here in our county. And, uh, and he was in the car behind you, right? Yes. And he came upon, behind us. And their story is amazing, too. But he said he had never seen somebody survive an accident of this magnitude. Yeah. Um, An American firefighter like, saying that. <laughs> and then he joked, he goes, it became a Honda accordion. Yeah. I mean, like looking at the picture of the car is absolutely horrifying. I'm going to put it up on my website, but it is absolutely horrifying that anyone could survive that. 
people think it looks like a motorcycle. You can tell there's yeah. tires, but between the tires, it's just flattened, and they had to use the jaws of life. Uh, Ryan said that Brazil firefighters were doing an incredible job. They had a helicopter overhead in case that was mm-hmm. needed, and they didn't know. Uh, they expected uh, s- severe, and it was a death-defying accident yeah. for sure. I mean, to be honest with you, I had shown that picture of the the your car, your crushed car, to several of the doctors, you know, that I know. I mean, I think we're all really surprised that you're alive, number one, and that your injuries weren't far worse. Like, we're so surprised that you're alive. Well, it's definitely the first miracle is that we survived. But even beyond that, if you Mm -hmm. can imagine using the the jaws of life, the car was completely crushed, a truck hit Mm -hmm. it and moved it quite a ways you know, from its original location. And yet when they finally were able to take me out of, and I was not conscious at this time, but they were, could not believe that there was not a scratch, not a drop of blood. None of my skin had any marks on it. And even though I broke my pelvic in seven places, straight through, Um, My left leg was dislocated Mm -hmm. out of its socket. When I did wake up and see it, my kneecap was uh, right in front of my nose and going in the opposite direction. Uh, The top of my femoral head was 30% broken off. A piece, it was crushed. And yet my skin did not have any blood loss and no no abrasions in in Portuguese, in Brazil. And um, when they did a full body scan, I didn't have any internal injuries. I had, I could move my toes. I couldn't move my legs for many weeks. Um, that's a whole other story. But the fact I could wiggle my toes, uh, that felt so good. And they did a full body scan to the point they said, hey, just on a, on a bonus, we noticed that you have some gallstones. So you're going to have to get those taken care of, but not because of the car accident. Yeah. But there was no internal injuries and no external in- injuries. And no one in the car had any like outwardly injuries as well, like no bleeding or skin abrasion. Not right. my husband and daughter, but the driver definitely okay. did. Uh, Jaziel, our driver from Brazil, mm-hmm. our friend for twenty more than 20 years, um, he had blood loss in his head. Um, his shoulder, and he had punctured, uh, he had upper punctured his lungs. So oh that was the driver full impact. They had to deal with him first, and then they could try to find me uh, in the rubble. They couldn't even get me out for quite some time, I've heard. Yeah, and he survived as well, right, the driver? He did. He oh. survived, and then amazingly enough, they said, oh, you're going to have to have your shoulder and your lungs, and um, God healed him too uh, without uh, extra surgeries. Mm-hmm. Which uh, and I had had no surgeries. I should have had three to five, mm-hmm. um, and I've had no uh, everything. God has healed me a hundred and one percent. But your hip was your left hip was severely dislocated. Right? Oh, all of the tendons. Yeah. You can probably speak to this. Um, that was the hardest part of mm-hmm. the recovery. Was my left leg? I had no weight bearing, and I was in São Paulo, Brazil, six thousand five hundred miles from home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got some excellent care first by the medical field in Brazil. But I didn't know Portuguese, so mm-hmm. I had to use my phone for all of my <laughs> medical conversations or have an interpreter. 
and then here in California with Stanford and PAMF and some really excellent medical care and recovery uh, here. And I've never been in the medical field. I've never, I had zero health issues before. So this was my first time and boy, did I really get a wham. <laughs> you know, do you remember the period of unconsciousness? Not really, but when I woke up in the ambulance, um, I realized something was going on. Enough I could say to them, um, and then in the ER, when they rolled me in, I could say like, oh, don't cut my shirt off. <laughs> um, and I I knew, I came, once I woke up, I was pretty aware of, of where I was. Mm-hmm. But I met people in the hospital um, one of the, we had just left Alpha Village Church, and one of them had a sister um, in San Paulo. I'm sorry, past San Paulo. We were in San Jose de Campo. And um, amazingly, this wonderful person I'd never met, she said uh, she went to the wrong hospital because I was supposed to go to county, but I went to private. And she came up and just said, hello, Karen. Um we had I had hosted her daughter mm-hmm. uh, on a mission trip to California, so they had come here, and she said to me in the ER, held my hand. I'd never met this person, and said, "Hello, Karen. Um, I'm here to pray for you, and I'm going to take care of your family uh, while you're here, just as much as you took care of my daughter five years ago <laughs> when she came to your church and did mission work in California with you. Wow. And we are still close friends to this day. Someone totally out of the blue. Completely. I had never met. This Mm -hmm. would be like in a town I had never been to. And I had so many people coming and praying for us and meeting us um, in Brazil. It was really, um, and more miracles. Reviewing your book that you had created, that you had made to chronicle your journey as well as your accident, I was really amazed by the number of people that always surrounded you, like people that you didn't know, the nurses, the PT, the OT, the doctors. Such love. I think you said it right, Michelle. Such love. Um, This was my first time in the medical field, and I just have to say, I, I want to spread the good news for them too, because they often see the brokenness and they don't get to see the healing or the recovery. Um, so I really want to say, if you work in the medical field, um, thank you so much. I have had from surgeons to doctors to physical therapists to occupational therapists um, down to the people who uh, cleaned our room and brought us the food. They always brought an extra pot of coffee for my husband. <laughs> who stayed by my side for three weeks, um, sleeping in the room and eating leftover Brazil hospital food uh, just to make sure that we played worship music and we were in prayer and we did daily devotionals. Uh, It was one of the, we had a lot of time together and we really made the best of it. We wanted our hospital room to shine like in the New Testament when the jail cell, they didn't want to be there but they tried to make the best of it. They tried to worship and spread the good news. And I definitely didn't want to be here, but it was also the most amazing experience to be so um, supported. I've always supported other people and here people were bringing me food, bringing me Gatorade. Like I had 24 bottles of Gatorade (laughs) brought to me one day because I had to swallow pills and I've never taken medication. So this was very hard for me. 
the church sent people every day. We'd get a family to come visit us. And it was a, pretty far away, so they would make, um, but they just wanted to make sure they had our support, um, and they would pray for us. And everyone in the hospital, um, we kind of had a, a nickname of the, the, they called me the missionary miracle, and my husband was the uh, California pastor. <laughs> Karen, how did people hear about your accident in Brazil? Um, thank you. We have been there for 20 years, and we had just come off the most amazing mission trip. We had visited seminary, and we had seminary students come visit us. We had visited a Christian camp, and so we had many of the camp um, employees and visitors come visit in the hospital. Uh, we had been staying in the houses in Alphaville and done ministry alongside of the churches. Um, so we had just come off of 10 days. Uh, so we were very connected at that time. In fact, it would have been incredibly uh, amount of anguish if, if, there had, if, if we had not survived and because of the connections we had just made. Plus, our driver and his, um, our, both of our drivers are very well-known Christian leaders, and they put out to all the churches to pray for us, um, I even had every day, it seemed if, uh, there'd be people from the community just coming to my hospital room, uh, if they spoke English or they were Christian or they worked in the medical field. I even had one of my, uh, technicians taking some images say, oh, are you, are you the, the, the miracle? We, we've been praying for this missionary that survived the accident. And can I take a, a selfie with you? <laughs> and she took a picture with me laying on the gurney and sent it to her mm -hmm. pastor. And uh, I thanked that church for their many prayers. You were called the Miracle Missionary? Yeah, that was my nickname down there during this time um, that I survived. It was such a miracle. And we were on the mission trip. Um, my son was actually not in the car with us. He was at the airport coming home early for college. Um, but he spread the word to my home church and to his home congregation and all my family and, and our friends uh, just spread the, wor the word uh, to pray for us. I mean, it went around the world. There were mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of people praying for our recovery, for our healing. And... Um, I, I literally felt that I was under a waterfall of prayer, that every person praying was like a drop of water, and it was so soothing. Um, it was so touching. I mean, I, had, I could not move. Um, it was very painful, but there was joy. There was pain in the night, and there was joy in the morning, and there was such a word of God and such a healing and and such a connected uh, of support. So I really want to thank those. And I have been more motivated to join the prayers of many people mm -hmm. when things come up. I, I, I do take that more intentionally and seriously. And I am honored to be called in to pray for their waterfall in prayer. This do was, they call that a prayer chain? Yes, that's exactly. Our prayer chain went out um, and it's almost felt like everybody who heard it firsthand then asked even more people. So it was kind of this exponential. Mm -hmm. um, I knew of, of another pastor who told his church in England to pray. And of course, everyone in Brazil and California and on the East Coast. So uh, I really, really want to 
uh, bless those. And I think we need to give glory to God for those who pray for us, because this is a direct miracle and answer to prayer. Because I think the truth is in our culture, if something bad happens or if someone dies or if someone mm-hmm. is in the hospital or, or there's some kind of trauma or catastrophe, we do say, you know, I'll pray for that person. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not they really normally do pray or not. But the fact that people who really do believe prayed for you in your moment of vulnerability and injury. Yes, and it connects us uh, to, prayer connects us to God's plan and to other people. Um, and in my case, it's just, it's incredible. And I we have to hear the, the answered prayer um, in this form of a miracle. Uh, one thing that you touched upon was, um, you know, just the power of prayer. And, and this is just such a model uh, for everyone who is praying. And God touched mm-hmm. people to pray who didn't even know me or knew me a little bit, but they, especially like trying to fly home when I couldn't even move. And there were some really huge obstacles we had to come over. But this whole story is to give glory to God and to encourage people to pray more. And since this time, I have seen, I've been able to pray for a group of people and uh, through the prayer chains, um, seeing miracles. But I have to speak to those who are suffering now that pain is a pain. And I was so tired of being tired. Um, And when you are in need of people serving you, there is a time for that. It's humbling, but there may be a time in your life for that. But then when you get through it, you'll be more sensitive and more able to meet other people's needs and to pray effectively uh, for their healing. Um, There was also a time when the Holy Spirit came upon me in grief. And oh, and I, may I ask you, what does it feel like to have been prayed for by thousands? Very humbling and very soothing, and it was absolutely necessary. I had no body. I couldn't move. My mind was clear-ish, but not how it is now, it was still kind of in shock. And my emotions, I was separated from everything I knew. I didn't want to be there. My family was far away. Um, my husband stayed on my side. He was my emotional support. But I really lived in the spirit. Mm-hmm. I have never experienced, uh, maybe 25% I live in the spirit. But when everything else is stripped away and I simply came, it was like 90% of my life, I lived in the Spirit. I lived with God. And in these prayers, I was at a point in my life when I could, um, even more so, I have a daily walk with God and a daily relationship, but this was just like being in the presence of God. Um, even though I was stuck in, you have to remember, I am stuck in a hospital bed, in pain, without being able to move, Um, in a foreign country, in a different continent. However, this was a precious time of healing and with God and with my family and with my friends supporting me from far away. Do you feel like when everything was stripped away, you realized what was the most important? Absolutely. When all is stripped away and I simply came to God 
And I know here on earth we have so many trials and tribulations, but I always have this eternal perspective. And um, I was closer to God than I've ever been. I definitely could have been taken up to be with the Lord. It wasn't my time, um, but he gave me a message to, to give to other people that even if I had passed away at that time, or if you have people who have passed away, and I, he actually gave me three people to speak directly to. And, you mean and I a did. God came to you? Yeah. Has God ever come to you before? Not, no, mm -hmm. not in this way. A constant relationship, a constant walk, mm -hmm. a constant daily friendship, refreshing God's word um, in my mind and being led by the Spirit. But this was a message for other people. Mm -hmm. um, and can I ask, Karen, how did that happen? Did God talk to you in like what form or how did you know it was God? Um, three things. And it's going to be so hard to believe because even though I've walked through this, it's hard for me to believe. But it is completely truth as much as I'm talking to you. Um, usually about three or four o'clock the first time in the morning. Um, and it was like waking me up out of mm. my sleep. And you were in the hospital. I was in the first time was in the hospital in Brazil. And my husband was next to me, but he didn't wake up. So it was something a little different than that. Um, but there was three things that everything said was agreed with the Bible. Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything different. Uh, number two, it was for a message for other people. And they understood the message, which I'll tell you in a minute. And number three, there was a physical healing. Mm -hmm. So much so that my physical therapist the next day could prove that I had no movement, maybe 5% or 1%. And then I had about more than 50% movement in my left leg. And all the pain in my left leg was also gone. So there was a physical healing along with, and the message for those who have lost, or if I had not survived that day, was three things. God said, tell them to keep loving God, even though the tragedies. And number two is keep loving other people. And number three, might be the hardest, is let real love into your life. And one of my, one of the pastors in Brazil Rafael had lost a brother in a car accident in the same, a few years ago, but in August, in mm -hmm. the same week. And he was the one I met with him. And I said, do you, Rafael, does this make sense to you? To one of those messages was meant for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my other friend in California, I told her, and she completely agreed mm -hmm. that this was a big healing in her life to hear it. And in his life, knowing that the Holy Spirit is there despite tragedy in her own life. Yes, that God, it was keep loving God. They are both doing that. Keep loving others. But I think it's really hard to let love in when you have suffered a loss. If I had been lost, it would have been hard for my family um, and for my close friends mm -hmm. and for the, the, the church in Brazil. We had just come off this dynamic mission trip sharing God's love. And they might have had a hard time understanding that grief and that loss and letting God's love in and mm. that healing. Because I think sometimes with grief and loss and tragedies, you know, we get focused on what was lost. And it mm. is incredible that, you know, when that person's no longer there, 
that we almost not forget the love, but we get so focused on the loss. You know, instead of really remembering that maybe love always surrounds us. Mm. And I think sometimes there's a barricade to letting people into our lives. At least that's what God showed me. I've never suffered a loss. This, When the Holy Spirit came upon me, it was in grief. I'm like, can't you come in love or joy or healing? Uh, There was a Mm. healing. But I felt the most grief I've ever experienced here on earth was when the Holy Spirit showed me what it would have been like um, for the people in Brazil and my church family and my family here in California. Um, and If so, you had died. Yes. And so, um, but I, I was, mm-hmm. I completely healed within a year. Within yeah. a year, I challenged God, can you heal me within one year? I want to be 101%. And uh, every medical person said that would be impossible, mm-hmm. but it was something that God put in my heart, and I uh, kind of asked for and prayed for. And, and you were ziplining in a year, right? Yeah, the one-year anniversary, the yeah. eight of us who were in Brazil on the mission trip, I made reservations on the one year. The one year is very—I uh, was surprised. Mm-hmm. It's It kind of all comes back to you, and I wanted to replace some of the tragedy and loss with a celebration. So I reserved the zip lines um, at Mount Hermon. And uh, sure enough, one year later, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, all eight of us zip lined together uh, in the middle of the Redwood Forest. And it really uh, was a capstone to celebrate and to say God has uh, healed and recovery. Mm-hmm. It was good for my kids, too, to see um, me enjoying life as I, I've always been very yeah. adventurous. I find your near-death experience very interesting, you know, and many people have written about their own near-death experiences. And with almost, you know, with having died, coming close to death, you know, or having died and, you know, some people see the light or some people's lives are changed forever. Your story really interests me because you had a near-death experience and you already believed. Mm -hmm. Like, you didn't need to believe more, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. But it seems like your near your near death experience impacted others a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I was sort of surprised. I never needed a miracle to believe in God. Mm-hmm. I have my Christ, my faithful uh, prayer time and and worship and community um, and church. So I I've I've walked with God. I didn't need a miracle to believe in God. So because um, but a miracle I always thought was people who didn't believe and then they saw something, and then they believed afterwards. Um, now, definitely my faith is is more intimate and, and deeper, but um, still completely filled a, a, on a daily, every day, completely filled each day. So this is a message for others, and I appreciate the invitation to come here. Um, people who were following uh, my husband's emails, he was sending out daily uh, updates, and following, I could hold my phone. I use my phone for everything down there because of the translation. But I could post pictures and I could uh, use social media to spread the word. And there was always a change when I said this is um, this is a, a God sighting. And then when I would like, I had my birthday in Brazil, mm-hmm. and I, you know, we had some funny uh, encounters and some adventures. And the uh, but this is a story for others. And so I'm just really blessed to be here. And I'm glad you can post some links um, to the photos and to the realities. And this will also go back to all the people whose lives were changed. I mean, in Brazil and in California and 
even my American Airline um, reservationist. Because so. I found you so interesting because when we had talked earlier previously, you had said that if you had died then during your accident, you would have been ready. You would have, mm, you would have been like, I mean, what did you say? You, you said you would, have been, you would have been ready and that you weren't scared. To live as Christ, to die as gain. And I think that's one of my motivations here um, on earth. This is a temporary. It's like, this is a transition. This is the airplane. This is we're in the airport. But our destination is eternity. And um, we are eternal beings. And I could, uh, I'm ready for heaven at any moment. I, <laughs> But to live as Christ, but to die is to gain. Mm -hmm. And I, I have that in Philippians um, but to live, we need to live all out here on earth. I, I, I enjoy every minute of life and uh, try to have that joy uh, in the mm -hmm. spirit. But I'm definitely ready um, to be with the Lord forever. And he came, to, he came here on earth. And if you follow him here on earth, you will follow him to heaven. I was so. just curious, how does one get ready for heaven at any moment? Because so many of us are so afraid of death. Mm. Maybe the, the, the process of dying, I, I really learned that pain is a pain, and I was tired of being tired. But we have an eternal spirit, and I think we focus so much on the mind and the body and the emotions that we don't tap into the fact that we mm -hmm. are soul. We are spirit. We, we love to worship. We're made to worship, and we're made for eternity. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you just accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior here on earth— and confess that you need his help here on earth, you'll be with him forever in heaven. And that has been such a clear message my entire life. Um, and so here I am just living it out, even in the tragedies or even in the joys and giving him glory. But I think uh, people do not tap into their spirit. And if I could have a message, it's find it out. You know, when you doubt, mm -hmm. find it out and keep seeking and be filled by the Spirit and, and use the Spirit as your strength. I lived 95% of my day was in the Spirit and it was the best I've ever lived life. Mm -hmm. Even though I couldn't teach, I had to get a long-term sub. I wasn't with uh, the people I wanted to be with. Uh, my husband so faithfully stood by my side, but I wasn't with my own children. They were, they, they had to go to California um, but the Lord provided. The Lord provided. I was completely dependent on Him, and life was so rich and, and so wonderful. Even <laughs> it was pain or joy. But they asked me many times, aren't you despondent? Aren't you despair? Aren't you, you know, you, you've gotten this, this de deadly accident? And I'm like, no, I don't know what that is. You know, there is pain, but then there is joy. And I never went through that, that despondent, that, mm -hmm. that, depression. I, I never went even experienced that for a moment because of the presence of God. I think it's amazing what you described that we're we're so much more beyond our bodies, our mm -hmm. physical bodies. Mm -hmm. Like our essence, our energy, that there's so much more to us even if we can't necessarily see it all. People say if I can't say I don't believe, I'm all well, mm -hmm. can you see hope? Can you see love? Can you see anger? Can you see forgiveness? Can you see music? Can you see beauty? Can you see friendships? I think the best things in life we can't see. No. Nor and, can you pay for. <laughs> you and know? they're free. <laughs> but we focus so much on the physical, and I, there is such a strength in our spirit. And 
we need to enjoy this and expand this and live in the Spirit, be led by the Lord. And, and life is better than what I can plan, mm-hmm. you know, but I was, I'm absolutely ready and I, and I was pretty close, but I'm happy to be here on earth um, living for the Lord and uh, sharing just hope and joy and, and beauty, but live, tap into your spirit. And this mm-hmm. isn't talked about enough in our society right now. So this is amazing. And or even like the healing that you had received, like Anita Morjani, uh, who wrote a very famous book, uh, Dying to Be Me. Mm-hmm. And she was um, like on her deathbed dying from, you know, like say, I think it was stage four lymphoma. And she remembers being out of her body, seeing her cancer in her body, you know, when she, as she lay dying. Mm-hmm. But she states that, you know, she was cured and she had the choice either go to the light or come back into her body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she had decided, I think she had wanted to go, but somehow she ended up back in her body. But she des- she describes being miraculously healed mm-hmm. after she woke up. And you had described, you know, a few moments ago that during your third visit, you felt significant recovery. Yes. Um, first of all, my husband being a pastor, he has been at the deathbed with many people. And he says, the most pe- peaceful one in the room is the one about to, to pass to, over. To pass over. And that's a really interesting thought because we all focus on the loss, but the person is uh, considering and we all, he, he prays for them and people know the scriptures and they know the hymns and they know the worship songs. Um, that feeds their soul and, and that's what they want um, when they're ready to, to leave. So it's great to connect uh, with your spirit here on earth. Um, and there were three times of healing. The second time <laughs> is so remarkable um, and so much fun to share this story uh, because one of the hardest parts to figure out, problem solve, was I was in Sao Paulo. And my home is in California. And yet I only had 30% weight bearing on my right foot and nothing on my left foot. And that was a good leg, the right foot. That right? was yeah. my good leg. So I pretty much had yeah. a toe touch. Mm-hmm. And I had we had to figure out how I was to fly home through three airports and to get to the airports and two air flights when I couldn't move. And so I had all these qualifications. But one day I called the airline and said, um, my family had given and my friends had given donated miles and uh, American Airlines had layback seats in first class because I couldn't even sit, sit. normally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, God paved a way and then I called and my 1-800-whatever and the person who picked up the phone uh, was a Christian and she says, girlfriend, we're going to get you home. And she heard my story and I was able to share. Um, and then we arranged the flight. I had to have a hotel on site in case something happened. Um, I had to, my, my insurance company had to have the ambulance at SFO waiting for me because I couldn't go much longer. But what happened was they ran all of the tests on Thursday sent them with me um, in that bag. You mean when you arrived to Stanford, you were directly flown and then you were, you, they were, they brought you to Stanford Hospital, right? They brought me to Stanford Emergency Room mm-hmm. from 
San Francisco airport because I had 11 hotspots. Mm-hmm. And when I arrived, they ran all the same tests. They are so painful, that imagery when you have so many broken bones, but they ran all the tests and they told me um, that I was healed on the flight home. Stanford told you that? <laughs> they said, when were these tests mm-hmm. all done? Your lungs were collapsing. I said, yeah. They said, you have full lung capacity. Your liver counts were really high. We see the the data. I said, yes. They said, your liver counts mm-hmm. are normal. And they said, you, they were, I was concerned about blood clots because I, I couldn't move. And I had multiple broken bones mm-hmm. in my pelvic, in my femur. And uh, I had a friend come, not a, fr- well, a friend, but she met me over the phone and she came to the airport in Dallas and prayed over me. And the flight from Dallas to California was the best sleep I have ever ever had. It was like nestled. It was like the the wings of um, God's wings were just around me. And on that flight, when I arrived at Stanford, they were concerned I'd be so much worse because mm-hmm. I They were ready for you. They were ready. And there was an ambulance waiting and my health insurance is like, we got to get you immediately into mm-hmm. care. I, I Maybe I shouldn't have been flown, but we needed to. And Stanford said, not only did nothing go wrong, all my bones were still lined up, fully broken, fully mm-hmm. through, but they, they didn't slip. The piece didn't float away. Um, but my lungs were healed on an airplane, which purposely has 30% less oxygen in it so mm-hmm. they can fly. When was your x-ray of your lungs prior to getting on the plane then? On a Thursday. Mm-hmm. I flew on Friday. Wow. And I had documentation on Saturday um, and during the air flight, during the travel, I actually was healed. I was, mm-hmm. he- and that just can't happen. So on Thursday, they told you that your lungs were collapsing. Well, they had been collapsing. Mm-hmm. And so they finally told me that I had enough. My liver counts were lowering just a little bit and my mm-hmm. lungs were increasing just enough that I had a big criteria before I could get on the plane. Mm-hmm. So I was finally cleared, but barely cleared to mm-hmm. travel. But this is what they had to watch. And when I arrived in California, all of those, my lungs were 100% and my liver count was completely normal. Wow. So that can't happen on a flight except for God's miracle. And because mm-hmm. of the prayers um, of, of Linda and the friendship that we still have, um, it's pretty, and her life was really touched by by God's story. Did you feel like there was healing on the plane? Yes, definitely. You know how like a good meal is good, but like Thanksgiving is Mm -hmm. the best meal? This sleep, it wasn't just rest. Like I was kind of awake, but I felt the Holy Spirit. I felt like I was in a nest or like completely surrounded with the eagles. The Bible talks about the eagle's wings or the mother hen and her wings. I just literally felt the wings. And also during this time, the prayers of my church, people were like waking up early mm-hmm. to pray during this. Uh, this was a very... Uh, <laughs> because they, were, they knew you were on the flight. They knew I was on the flight and I was mm-hmm. terrified. I mean, this is God's will, but yeah. I did not want to endure yeah. this. I couldn't even get to the restroom from you my even bed. sit in a chair. <laughs> and I had to fly 6,532 miles through three airports and yeah. two ambulances and a couple wheelchairs. And my husband had to um, 
take me through all mm-hmm. of this. So I, you're very high risk to fly then? Extremely high risk to fly. Mm-hmm. And yet when I landed and they did all the same tests, Stanford was like, you are, your, your lungs are healed. Mm-hmm. Your liver is healed. Every bone is in place. This, we didn't, it, this is, can't be explained except that's what a miracle is. It's, it can't be explained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there are, you know, there are like miracles in your story, like small and large, it sounds like, you mm-hmm. know, on many different levels. The miracle of your experience of the connections with other people. Absolutely. The power of prayer, even healing. You know, there's miracles on many different levels. Can I ask you, um, how has the accident changed your life? Surprisingly, not as much as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, I'm still trying to leave, live each day as the Lord leads. Uh, my relationship has gotten deeper. It'd be like before it was the size of maybe like a pond and now it's like a lake size, mm-hmm. but still filled with the Spirit. There, there is a relationship that deepened. Um, I, I like when people are reminded of God's miracles, and I, and I love to tell His story. This is His story. I did mm-hmm. nothing through any of this. I couldn't move. I had no power. Everything was taken away. I literally had to sit there and receive prayers from other people and um, encouragement and food and um, healing from the Lord, and mm-hmm. it was amazing. But I just still wanted to be brave. I really learned out of love, we push ourselves. I love my family enough. I wanted to learn to drive to get my daughter from school. Or I wanted to learn to to get into a wheelchair so that I could, um, you know, go to a restaurant or take my dog for a walk. or Doing the simple things again. Just the simple mm-hmm. things, the love of my family. My husband had to shop for six months straight and um, I couldn't do anything around the house. So mm-hmm. it put a lot of, uh, and he did it so lovingly and so faithfully. Um, that was another true miracle right after our 25th wedding anniversary. <laughs> but it seems like your story touched many lives. It did. It still is. And through this podcast, mm-hmm. I hope I am reaching people who maybe you need to hear a miracle. Maybe you need to believe in God and you need to open your spirit because um, it's real and it's good. Um, it's where all blessings come from above. And if you want that joy and peace and patience and kindness, uh, faithfulness, those are from the Holy Spirit. Those are from your spirit and from God. And if those are lacking, uh, you're not going to find that in your emotions or your body or your mind. But those are from our into our spirit and from God. Or having faith of something more than just this life. Absolutely. Or however you define what a higher power is for you. Mm-hmm. You know. May I ask you, do you feel like your accident was life affirming for you? I think all life is affirming. I'm a little bit more um in the presence in the now, but I think just those spiritual disciplines of daily time with God and daily making healthy choices even during this pandemic. Um, tonight, I have a swim lane. Um, I'm jumping on my trampoline. Mm-hmm. People would never expect me to jump on a trampoline. I took, uh, went skiing with my son one day, um, and they said I would never ski again. So just those celebrations of life. But I think I and all of us can celebrate 
uh, the relationships we do have and make healthy choices and to forgive to the point of forgetting if there are, when there is conflict because there are tragedies. This is a huge tragedy. And yet my spiritual disciplines walk with the God before it, help me through it and are even stronger now. And I can say that if someone needs a miracle, check out your website and see these photographs. And if you need to see to believe, um, I, I have, this is a story. Every doctor, every physical therapist was like, this is truly a miracle. And at one year I walked into my physical therapist and said, well, am I done? And he's like, I cannot believe it. But yes, you are done. And I went to my orthopedic surgeon uh, a year after I had met him, and I he took imagery, and 30% of my, the top of my femur was broken off. It was an island. It was floating. Mm-hmm. They said, well, we'll have to do surgery, to, and, and then maybe sooner if it floats around or, or we have to put it back on. One year after I met him, we have imagery, if you can put that on, where it moved against gravity and stuck back to the bone on its own, and he said, quote, I could not have done a better job myself. <laughs> so it moved up and reattached. This and is a surgeon saying this. The surgeon mm-hmm. in one year. He said, Karen, you're going to need three to five surgeries. Mm-hmm. And I've had zero. And I think it's a really good story for the medical field. Did too. your surgeon believe your story? I said, he, he saw me walk in. And he's like, uh-huh. who drove you here? How'd you get here? I go, I drove myself. And I walked mm-hmm. in. And I'm here for a miracle. He goes, you're here for what? Mm-hmm. I said, I'm here for proof of a miracle. And he's like, he goes, well, let me see the x-rays. And he was like, y- y- yes, yeah. this, you, I never thought I'd say to you, I do not, you do not need to come back. And you are completely 100% healed in every area without surgery. Um, a lot of physical therapy and occupational therapy to learn but my my surgeon said all bones have come back together. And truth be told, the medical field does not like to talk about miracles because <laughs> it freaks us out. <laughs> you know? this, he he, he was very surprised when I said I want proof of a miracle. He kind of shook his head, but the pictures didn't yeah. lie. And you can post those on your website too. I will. And can I ask you, you know, how do you feel about death now? Hmm. Um, well, my husband says none of us get out of this world alive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I think even though we miss people who go before us, but I think we all need to prepare for it because it's a hundred percent guaranteed and I am looking forward to it. I want to, I go to my friends, um, people I know, like I go to funerals and it just prepares me to live life the best. I don't go in a, in a bad mood. I go to celebrate and I just pray at the end of this life that people will say I gave glory to God mm-hmm. and I'm going to enjoy eternity with God and with those who believe and I am fully looking forward to it. To enjoy this moment and perhaps all moments and ride it through. Yeah, ride it through. It's like we are all on a mission trip, mm-hmm. all on a journey, um, but I know the destination yeah. and I'm fully convinced a hundred percent and I have physical proof and mm-hmm. a relationship. There's one more time when I had a healing, which was an ironic location was my daughter's volleyball tournament. Mm-hmm. I was on a scooter for six months because I couldn't put any weight bearing for very long, breaking your middle. 
so the scooter let me sit down. Well, I had dropped her off for the early game at San Mateo, the convention center, and I parked. You have to park far away. So I was on my scooter coming towards it. And then all of a sudden I heard God's voice is very short and clear. And he just said, you can walk now. Like at that very moment. At this moment. Mm-hmm. I was in the parking lot outside my daughter's. Not a not a high mm-hmm. like spiritual moment you know, on an airplane mm-hmm. and in a hospital and here at a tournament. And I parked my scooter. The one picture I never took, which I wish I took, I parked it in front of the handicapped parking spot. Mm-hmm. And it just because that's where it happened. And I parked it. And I stood up on two feet and I walked into this huge gymnasium filled with 60 volleyball courts. Mm-hmm. After being on the scooter for six months. <laughs> for six months. And this was a huge transition. And two men, two fathers, I guess I've never met them before. And 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 I they're they're about middle-aged and I don't know who they were, but they came to me and they said, You can walk now. And I looked at them and I said, Yeah. Um, God just healed me. And they said, tell us about that. And I, and I kept, every time I asked them a question, they asked me a question back. And I said, God just healed me. I was in an accident six months ago on a mission trip, but God just told me I can walk and I can, I can walk now and I don't have any limitations. And, uh, and so they you said, literally just put your scooter aside by the car and walked into the gymnasium. I just <laughs> walked into the gymnasium. And uh, later that day, ironically, one of the volleyball girls uh, twisted her ankle, and we took her out of, we gave her the scooter so that she could leave the, mm-hmm. because she had a twisted ankle, and I actually let her borrow it for the next couple of weeks. So I never again used that scooter for these injuries once God said, you can walk now. Mm-hmm. And that just happened instantly. Incredible. That's incredible. One of the things that always strikes you, by the way, is we've met a few times. You're always smiling. It's amazing. (laughs) You're always smiling and The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's one of my life verses. Wonderful. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And when my mind is confused and my body's tired or in pain or my emotions are like just so worked over, I always have the joy of the Lord in my spirit is my strength. And to be led by the Spirit is so much more powerful than what we give credit for today in our society. Well, Karen, thank you for sharing your incredible story. I'm extremely touched and grateful to hear it. Thank you. Thank you. See you next time on another edition of Lost or Found. Please subscribe and follow Dr. Michelle Choi on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.